Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. And in just a few moments, our lead pastor, Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, we hope that these few minutes will help you to stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus and also to encourage you to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. And we want to welcome everyone to our Connecting Faith to Life podcast. It's great to have you. This is our number two uh, podcast and so much uh, great interaction from last week. We appreciate you listening in. Uh, Be sure to tell your friends about it as well. We have a wonderful time uh, to talk about missions today. Uh, Pastor Tommy uh, spoke on Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as we began our study in the book of Acts. And so what we wanted to do was uh, talk about missions today. And uh, there's uh, certainly three reasons that we need to be involved in God's global mission. And we're going to be talking about those three things along and along. We're going to talk about engaging the unengaged, blessing other believers, and then, uh, of course, stirring the local church and the impact that that will make. So uh, we hope that you'll join us for all that. But Pastor Tommy, I want to turn it over to you as you introduce our special guest. Thanks so much, Trey. Uh, We're blessed that you're back listening to us again this week and hope that this is a blessing to you. And we are talking about uh, God's design for the local church as we study through the book of Acts together as a faith family. And if you're not a part of our faith family, if you're not a part of Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, you can certainly catch us online and listen to our live stream every Sunday on Facebook or go to our website, northwoodbaptist.com and listen to past messages that might help you as you journey with us through these podcasts. But we're talking specifically today about these uh, reasons why we should care about international missions. And I'm so thankful for the heart that God has given our church at Northwood. Because even before I became the pastor here at Northwood a couple of years ago, uh, God had already placed a heart in this church for international missions. This church throughout its history has been very engaged in the world for the sake of the gospel. We have Logan Cato with us. Logan Cato is our missions and discipleship pastor. He's got some extensive experience in international missions that he's going to share with us uh, today. And he's been a blessing to our church. And we're actually going to send him out eventually, not right now, but in the next few years, as God opens up opportunities for him and his wife, they are hoping for the opportunity to serve vocationally overseas, wherever God uh, might place them. And so we're praying for that. And hopefully in the process, helping him in his journey to prepare for the work that God has for him. But among the three of us, uh, Trey and Logan and and myself, all three of us have pretty significant international missions experience. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to lead lots of trips. Uh, Trey, you and your wife, you started your marriage on the mission field. You guys were in Africa, correct? We were in a place called Swaziland, Africa, and we worked with an organization called Transworld Radio. So yes. Y'all were there for what, two years? Two years. And, um, it was uh, it was third world, and it was everything that you imagine a mission field being. It was all that and more, so uh, it was quite the experience. Mm-hmm. And Logan has had the opportunity to be overseas for extended periods of time, and also he has he's had the opportunity to lead uh, lots of trips internationally, so he's got a lot of experience in that. And so, yeah, God has blessed us here at Northwood with, uh, with team members, with staff members who just have extensive international missions experience, and that's been a lot of fun learning from each other. And so, Logan, I want to just ask you a question as we get started, uh, because we live here in North Charleston anyway, uh, in a, a fast-growing area, lots of people around us, people moving in from all parts of the country, and even all parts of the world, really. 
Uh, so there are lots of lost people right here in North Charleston. And as a pastor now for 15 years, one of the questions I've been asked a lot when it comes to international missions and when I've tried to lead teams to be engaged overseas, the question that always seems to come up is, why should we go do international missions when there's such a need right here in our own community? How would you answer that question, Logan? Hey, it's great to be here with y'all today. And that's that's a great question. Um, and I, I've received that question a lot as well. And I don't want to discount the validity of that question, but I think the scriptures give us a very clear answer about why we should go, um, why we should go internationally, why we should care about the nations. When we look at Revelation 7, 9, and 10, uh, we see that every tribe, tongue, and nation is represented around the throne of God. And so we know that's a promise. We know that that's going to be true. Um, But Christ has commanded us to go to the nations and make disciples. And so um, as we look at North Charleston, there are churches all over the place. Um, And we we have a lot of work to do right here in our own community. We have people right here who have never heard the gospel, um, but they have they have ready opportunities to make that happen. If if they want to find a church, they are able to do that. Um, But the reality is, is that millions of people across this planet have no access to the gospel. There are thousands of people groups who have no believers living among them. They have no access to a Bible and they have no one actively sharing the gospel with them. And so many will go their entire lives and never hear the name of Jesus Christ. Um, And as a church and as believers, that should break our hearts. And that should cause us to to either go or pray or give, but it should cause us to desire to see the nations reached with the gospel. Uh, You know, I think it's also, and I think I totally agree, it's a a both two. You know, do you have a three-point shooter or do you have somebody that can slam dunk it, you know, in the basketball uh, um, and I think it's the same with uh, mi- missions. Our missions are local and we're very committed to local missions and, uh, Logan deals with that as well. And, uh, so, you know, it, it's both too. And, and we can't forget, uh, that, uh, we have that world out there that is lost and dying and without Christ. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as we, seek to engage the unengaged or bless other believers or stir the local church, whatever we're doing, I think it, it goes local and international, but I think uh, the tendency is to tend to think about our own and especially in our political climate, you know, it's always about us, but it's not about us. It's about others. Yeah. So Trey, when we talk about these three reasons to be involved in God's goal mission, that first reason is we want to engage the unengaged. And you and Logan both have had the opportunity to do that in your experiences in Africa. Uh, Logan has had some extensive experience in Africa. And Logan, I want you to share about that because you had the opportunity to be among Muslims Mm. and uh, Muslims who had no uh, gospel access really, and who had not heard the gospel. And you spent a month or so among them sharing the gospel. Tell us a bit about that experience when you were serving there, engaging the unengaged. Yeah, it was a unique opportunity after my senior year of college and before my first year of seminary, I had the opportunity to spend seven weeks in Niger, West Africa. Uh, Niger is one of the poorest countries on the planet. They um, are comprised of 99% Muslims. 
Uh, there are less than 0.1% evangelical Christians living in Niger. Um, and so I had the opportunity to work with an IMB missionary who had been serving in Niger for some time. And we were actually living in a village uh, comprised solely of Muslims. And um, one of the Muslim families was friends with the missionary. And he actually built us a mud hut to live on his compound with him. And um, as you can imagine, those conditions are rough, uh, very, very poor. But but this family was very generous to allow us to live with them. And uh, so, so you lived in a weeks, mud hut. You lived in a mud hut, like a mud hut. A mud hut. Yep. And most of the time we slept outside because the mud hut was unbearable to stay in. It was so <laughs> hot. So you didn't live in a mud hut, did you, Trey, when you were in Africa? No, we lived in a concrete block, a so, square little house. We weren't mud hut people. Mm. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt, Logan. Go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> just mud hut. That sounds like a lot of fun. So uh, our task every day, it was, it was me and another guy, and our task every day was to just go out and share the gospel. And so for seven weeks, day in and day out, we would, we would be out for about eight to nine hours a day just talking with people and, and sharing the gospel with them. And again, they were devout Muslims, so they were doing their prayers five times a day. They were right in the middle of Ramadan, so they were fasting and um, and, and so we got to experience that. But what was very interesting was that everywhere we went and everyone we had talked to, unless they had previously talked with the missionary, they had never heard the gospel mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, and so this is thousands of people that we're talking about that, that live in this village and, and none of them had ever heard the gospel mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. And so we had a unique opportunity to share that with them for the very first time. Um, But one of the discouraging aspects of that is is that I wish I could tell you that we spent an entire summer and an entire village came to faith. And, but that's just not what happened. Uh, We actually didn't see anyone come to faith that summer. And so um, that was certainly at times very discouraging, but what encouraged us and kept us motivated was this promise that, Mm that that people from that village that tribe that tongue will be represented around God's throne so we we kept we kept going and kept sharing every day despite despite no one coming to faith so if we're going to engage the unengaged there really has to be a commitment to the obedience to the commands of Christ don't you think Logan for for sure uh we we have to be obedient to those commands to go and make disciples he doesn't command us to go and save anyone uh he simply desires us to be faithful to go and share the gospel and as the scriptures tell us over and over again this work of salvation is ultimately god's work and so he's going to be the one to save we've just been called to be faithful and responsible to share the gospel so for seven weeks there in that country you shared the gospel every single day and for seven weeks you saw no one come to faith in christ correct Correct. And actually, there were um, a couple of instances where the members of the village started getting angry with us because uh, they were accusing us, saying that you keep talking about Jesus every day, but you don't give us anything. You oh, don't wow. provide us anything. And I actually wow. had a, a gentleman get very angry with me, and he, uh, he, was, he was very close in my face, and I thought there, um, things might have gone sideways shortly before. Fortunately, that did not happen. But um, so we, we did receive a lot of pushback while we were there that summer. Mm. 
But so, so you don't feel like though, or kind of help me understand seven weeks, share the gospel every day. No one came to faith in Christ. You receive pushback, but you don't feel like those seven weeks were wasted. Correct? Absolutely not. We, those um, were seven of the most beneficial weeks of my life because it really caused me to, to think about my theology and what I think about God's actual work of salvation. And um, it caused me to be solely dependent on the work that he's doing. Um, and to know that, again, as we look at Revelation 7, 9, and 10, God's promise is there that the tribes and tongues and nations will be around that throne. And so um, I know that we were there and, and we, we were planting those initial seeds and um, the Lord and his providence will send someone else along to that village and, and hopefully they'll be able to see that harvest. But I know that whether it be one person or that entire village, um, I truly believe that, that, there will be brothers and sisters ultimately that come from that village and that we'll see them around God's throne one day. So you think about Logan, your experience, seven weeks and no one coming to faith in Christ. It just reminds me of a, a couple of men in, in church history, right? William Carey, missionary to India, Adnan Judson, uh, missionary to Burma. Uh, those men did not spend seven weeks without seeing anyone come to faith in Christ. Those men spent both seven years in their context without seeing anyone come to faith in Christ. But to read their stories, I mean, certainly they thought, and, and like you, they had some hardships, I mean, more significant hardships than you did. I mean, um, Adnan Judson lost his wife, lost children, uh, but they would have both said it was worth it uh, because God is sovereign over it all, and he is saving who he desires in the way that he desires to save them. So, yeah, amazing stories about how God is at work in places where uh, there's little no access to the gospel and amazing how God continues to give people like you and hopefully all of us a desire to go even when it is discouraging. Uh, so, uh, Trey, talk to us about this second reason why we should be involved in God's global mission. You know, it's, it is about reaching the unengaged, there's no doubt. But uh, there's other believers that are overseas as well, and I think that leads us to the second question or a second statement we need to say. That's, uh, part of the reason we go is to bless other believers that are overseas and to minister and share with them and, and work along beside them. Would you see that as well, Logan? Absolutely. And I, I think uh, even since I've been here at Northwood, we've had the opportunity to go to Guatemala to work with the church there. We've had the opportunity to go back to Russia uh, to work with the church there. And, and so often we go on mission trips and we expect to be able to share the gospel and, and be a blessing in that way and be faithful to what God's commanded us to do. And we certainly need to do that. Um, but every time I go, I'm just reminded of how important it is to be an encouragement to the brothers and sisters who are living in these places. Um, oftentimes these are hard places to live in and uh, there aren't a lot of believers and there aren't a lot of churches and there just aren't a lot of Christians. And so um, being able to go and be a blessing to them, uh, we see that every single time we go, how appreciative they are and how encouraged they are that these Americans would be willing to come to them and just spend time with them and work with them. Yeah. So I was a little late in the game when it came to international missions. Uh, Logan, you were doing international mission trips in, in high school, correct? I mean, or even earlier than that, maybe? 
Correct. Uh, my first international trip was in high school. Okay. And Trey, uh, you and Kelly, when you went to Africa um, and lived there for a couple of years in Swaziland, how old were you guys? Uh, I was 22. Kelly was 20. So wow, we were wow. young, young in the game too. And did we, you have international mission experience before that? Had you done some short trips? I did not. That was the first time I'd ever been out of the country. Gotcha. We landed in, when we landed in um, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and then on to Manzini, Swaziland. Yeah. So my first international mission trip, I was probably uh, 30 years old on my first international mission trip. Uh, and I, was, I had already been pastoring for, you know, five or six years. And I knew the importance of it, right? I understood that it was what the church was supposed to be about. But honestly, I, I, I did not grow up in a church that uh, uh, was passionate about international mission trips as other churches. And so it just wasn't really on my radar. Uh, my wife was a huge catalyst in that. Uh, she had served overseas uh, before we got married. And, and I think she was a real influence in helping me to see you know, God's global plan. And so uh, when I was at uh, a church in Louisiana, we began going to Russia. I, I led my first mission trip, and it was the first mission trip I'd ever been on. I was leading it, and we went to uh, uh, an area right outside of Volgograd, Russia, and we began to work with a local church there. And we've been doing that now uh, for 10 or 11 years. I've carried that partnership on uh, to a church I was in in North Augusta, and now I've carried that partnership here to North Charleston and here at Northwood Baptist. Uh, but what's been so unique about that partnership is that over the years, we have worked specifically with one local pastor and one local church in the Russia, in Russia, and we've just seen God do some amazing things through that. On that first trip we went on 10 or 11 years ago, we went to a village uh, that was probably three or four hours outside of Volgograd. Volgograd is a large city, a city of about a million, and then there's all these small villages that are outside of Volgograd, and so this village, Solanka, uh, is probably a, a few hours outside of Volgograd, a uh, small village, probably, you know, four or 5,000 people that live in this area. And in that area, uh, there were 12 known believers of Jesus Christ that lived in that village. And all but one of them were uh, senior adult ladies. And when I say senior adults, I would say, you know, 65 and above. And and there was a man, he was a, a beekeeper, uh, and, and he was a believer, and he kind of took care of these ladies. He watched over them and, and, and ministered them. He wasn't a pastor. He was, he, he kept bees. That's what he did. Uh, he, he, he gave away honey and those kinds of things. But anyway, that was it. That was the, 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 the church in that area, 12 people, 11 elderly ladies and, and one middle-aged man who kept bees. That was it. That was the local church. And because they, uh, of their theology, the, the way that they uh, do church there in that particular part of the world, you know, they would not take communion unless an ordained pastor came and gave them communion. Well, it had been years since an ordained pastor had been to that village. They had not experienced communion in years. And so we went to that village along with the pastor uh, from the church we were serving with there in Russia and, and had communion with them. And it was just a wonderful experience because they had not done that in forever. And uh, after we had spent some time with them, we spent about a day with these believers, uh, there was an elderly lady that was homebound, and, and we went, and uh, m- myself and my wife and the missionary and his wife, we went to this lady's house, and she was probably in her, her 90s. Uh, she was bedridden. She um, wasn't long for this world, and we shared communion with her. And obviously, she spoke Russian, so I couldn't really understand her, but uh, our, our, our missionary who was there, he translated for her. And um, as we were giving her communion, uh, 
all she could do was praise the Lord, right? I mean, here was a lady who for most of her life had been isolated in her community because, because in that culture, uh, if you are an evangelical believer, uh, you are considered to be a part of a cult. And so this group of 11, 12 people, uh, that's what was thought of them, that they were a part of a cult. And in the midst of that, this lady um, who had been isolated from her community and who had been ostracized because of her faith, just kept on praising God and praised God the whole time we were with her and kept saying to us over and over again that when she died and went to be with the Lord, uh, that she wanted her house, which wasn't a very big house, uh, wasn't a very you know, modern house, anything like that. She said, I just want my house to be used uh, for the church. I want my house to be used as a place for believers to gather. And we were just so blessed by that experience. But what I have I've witnessed and learned from our experience in Russia over the years are there are believers like those uh, 12 believers in Salonka or the church in Gordish that we partner with uh, or in other areas we've been to in Russia. There are believers that just need some other believers to come beside them and support them and say, hey, mm-hmm. we are here with you. We're praying for you. We love you. We want to help you in the mission. And so all over this world, there are believers who are ostracized and persecuted because of their faith. And it just means the world to them and obviously means the world to us as well when we're able to partner together and support them and and encourage them and to just let them be reminded that you are not alone. And so really for me, one of the, 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 the primary reasons why we go is to certainly engage the unengaged, but also to bless other believers who need to be blessed, right? And I, and I think as we look at these three reasons, I think uh, not only do we do those two things, bless people and engage the unengaged, but, you know, it also benefits us as churches here back in the States, mm. um, the impact that it has on us. And as we begin to impact the world, it begins to help believers get a, a, a vision and a view of the world that they've never had before. And it stirs the local church. Um, you might want to share a little bit about, uh, Pastor Tommy, about what happened at Big Stevens Creek as you did uh, international missions, I know that, and that continued on into Northwood. So share a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, so Big Stevens Creek, that was a church I pastored before I came to Northwood, and I was there for about seven years. And wonderful church, wonderful people. And they had some international mission experience, uh, but they had not uh, done any real international missions in quite some time uh, before I became their pastor. And so we, when I got there, immediately began to, to revive their uh, international missions ministry, and we started taking trips to Russia and other places, and um, it was really cool. It was a you know more of a rural church, uh, not a very large church, a couple hundred people, and um, and we got engaged across the world and just really saw God do a marvelous work in our church because of that. By the time I left Big Stevens Creek in that church of about two hundred people, over forty percent of the people had gone on an international mission trip, and. Um, I had about, you know, 15, 20 deacons. 95% of my deacons had gone on an international mission trip by the time I left that church to come to Northwood. It was just amazing to see people who would have never dreamed about going on an international mission trip, um, you know, take a step of faith and honor the Lord and go to a, a crazy part of the world and to share the gospel. And so we really saw God do a work in the lives of our people at Big Stevens Creek because we made the commitment to be engaged in God's global plan. I mean, it gave us a passion. It renewed our sense of vision. I mean, it was just a wonderful experience to see so many people answer the call to go on a short-term mission trip for the sake of the gospel. We saw people rise up not only to go, but for people who weren't able to go because of health reasons or whatever the case may be, uh, they prayed. Man, they prayed. Every trip we took as a church at Big Stevens Creek, um, 
for people who were staying behind in, in North Augusta, every night a team was gone. There would be a group that would gather at the church just to pray for that team that was gone. It was wonderful. Uh, people stepped up in giving. Uh, so many people at Big Stevens Creek were able to go on international mission trips because uh, people believed in what we were doing and financially supported them to go. And so it was just really neat to see how God stirred our church as we opened up our heart to his global plan. And I think we're seeing that at Northwood as well. As we continue to engage more and more uh, in our world, we're seeing that at Northwood as well. Logan, what have you seen as far as how uh, God is stirring our church here at Northwood because of our commitment to international mission? Yeah, even in the year that I've been here, um, just being able to not only see people go on trips, but take steps of faith to support those who are going on trips. And um, we've had families in our church uh, contribute a lot of money to allow, to help others go on mission. Um, But for those that have gone on these mission trips and continue to go, uh, the impact as they come back and as they share their stories, I think we're seeing other congregants who otherwise may not want to go on an international mission trip or may have never thought about it, they're starting to be interested. Mm. Um, And so I'm I'm hearing a lot more from people, hey, I want to go on the next trip or when Mm. y'all go again, let me know about the dates and the time. So because we have people that want to go serve. Um, And so that's been really encouraging to see. Well, if someone's listening right now and we're going to kind of wrap this up, but if someone's listening right now and they're asking, how do I engage like right now uh, or even uh, my church isn't involved? How do we get involved in God's global mission is what he's doing around the world? How, how does that happen? And I think that's open to either Pastor Tommy or Pastor Logan. Logan, what do you think? How can someone get involved right now in God's global mission? So the, a very initial step that anyone can take is is to come serve with us locally. Uh, we have local opportunities like our back to school bash, like our trunk or treat events. Um, we're engaging in things like pray and go, where we're just simply praying for people in our community. Anyone can do these things. Um, we provide those opportunities, and that's a very easy initial step into just serving on God's mission. Uh, we have opportunities like going to Boston to work with the church plant in Boston and, and serve alongside a church planner. Uh, we have opportunities like Russia, like Guatemala, and we're, and we're as you said, we're adding to those. Uh, we want to provide maximum opportunity for people to serve on God's mission. Yeah. And I would say, you know, just begin by praying, right? Uh, There is a wonderful resource available called Operation World. It's a big, thick book. And in this big, thick book, uh, the the compilers of this information have, have given you every country in the world what the spiritual needs are and how you can specifically pray for those spiritual needs. Getting a hold of a resource like that, Operation World, and just working through it and making yourself aware of the needs that are out there, I think are just very important and begin to pray for those things. And also I would just encourage in this way, especially if you might be a part of a church that maybe isn't as involved in global missions as a church like ours is here at Northwood, uh, take some initiative, right? Talk to your pastor. Say, hey, I want to be a part of God's global plan, and I will help you lead. I will do some research. I will talk with missions organizations. I'll invite some missionaries to come and talk with us to see what the opportunities are. Just take some initiative uh, and, and begin the process of helping your church become a globally involved church. And God wants to do so much through his local church, and so let us, as the local church, be about his mission, because as we're about his mission, we are going to see the promises of God 
come to fruition. And so it is very exciting. And especially in our, our day and age where we have so many opportunities with technology, with, with travel. I mean, there's no excuse for any of us not to be involved in some way in God's global plan. Well, this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you both so much for being a part. And it's just exciting to see what God is up to. And I look forward to seeing what God uses you for as uh, you listen and begin to get engaged in God's global mission. And uh, as we engage the world uh, without Christ, as we bless other believers, and then as we begin to stir the local churches, it's going to make an impact. It's going to make an impact on our lives and those around us. And we need to continue to do that. So uh, I want to thank you, Pastor Tommy. Thank you, Pastor Logan, for your great. And uh, we look forward this Sunday to continuing our series in the book of Acts. And we look forward to God doing great and mighty things in and through uh, the Word of God as we hear it this week. So I hope you'll be here for either our 930 service or 11 o'clock service. We look forward to ministering and sharing the Word of God then. And again, if you're not a part of our Northwood family, you can always catch us on the web, northwoodbaptist.com, or catch our live stream on our Facebook page. Just look for Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, leave us a review. Uh, That helps people find us. Also, subscribe, and you'll have new content delivered to your device every single week that will help you connect faith to life.